Oh god, I pressed the button. We're doing it. There's a thing. We're talking. You got a webcam. You're in Kiev. Yeah. We weren't here last week. People were sad about that, but now they don't. Now they're not going to be sad because we're we're back now. There were so many people who came into my stream asking about the podcast. Are so you, many people. Like two? No, like at least ten. That's way more than I would have assumed. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I I my first surprised. reaction was People you were doing a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The, uh, sorry about that. There was there was some uh, some travel stuff and some some time zone stuff and some being in Kiev stuff and some being in Los Angeles stuff. And actually, it was probably all my fault if I'm being honest. But that's fine because I'm not here to place blame on myself. I carry enough crosses around with me. I'm not going to finish that analogy because some it's probably a bad one. But <laughs> dude, there is. Like like, I I feel like there's there's so there's so much that I don't even know where to start. I guess my first question is, what what have you been doing in Kiev? You've been there for like a week and a half now, and like yes. nothing's happening, right? So I went straight from Sweden, and we flew. Um, they did the rest of the tiebreakers without me. And uh, Kyle and I flew directly to Kiev. Not direct, actually. We did have a pit stop in uh, Belarus. Hey. <laughs> Which, uh, about, well, about a day uh, later. So that, be, be, that be, before or after? Before, obviously, because airplanes can still yes, fly in before. Belarus. Okay, well, I'm yeah. glad that you weren't on that plane. And <laughs> I guess I won't get too far yeah. into that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so we had a, a stop off there, and then uh, then we ended up going to uh, Kiev, and we got here. Um, I think the only team that was here before uh, I was was Nigma. They were here to boot camp early, um, so I saw like RMN and ILTW almost right away. And uh, yeah, I haven't really been doing anything. Ellie flew out, um, met me at the Kiev air airport. She got there about two hours before I did. Um, and we upgraded our hotel room to be uh, like a, an apartment sort of deal. And we have been here for about a week and a half, um, mostly quarantine. They sent me up with a computer and um, a desk. Ellie and I both brought our laptops and we've just been kind of hanging out. So that must be that nice. It's been, uh, it was about, yeah, it was about three or four days of that before some of the other talent um, started coming in. And um, about a week before we finally, as a group, were able to do a whole lot because everybody obviously needed to get COVID tests. And people also post travel would rather just sit in their rooms and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, we've been, uh, we, we were supposed to do rehearsals today. That didn't turn out. Uh, we did content uh, oh, no. a different day. Uh, yeah, well, tomorrow, there's another day tomorrow. So they're going to try and do rehearsals again uh, tomorrow. So, uh, um, yeah, other than that, content, uh, other than doing content and rehearsals, um, we haven't really had anything else to do. Uh, there's just a lot of people were here very early. To make sure nobody got uh, nobody got COVID on their way in, and we've just been hanging out, playing Dota together. It's been great for the streaming scene. Like anyone who wants to watch streams yeah. during like Eastern Europe hours, basically every everyone's on. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're all playing party queue and stuff together. It's a it's a good like uh, bonding experience to do before the show actually starts. You know, that, that way you have a little bit of you have a little bit more banter back and forth. You maybe have some personalized moments about somebody else. Uh, you know, you can go ahead and talk about the fact that Jenkins played Carrie Pudge and went zero and eighteen. Uh, you know, things like that. So yeah, no, that wouldn't ruin a game or anything. I'm sure. Uh, it's I I've seen some some leaked pictures from from the event. And oh, you have. I have. I have. And okay, okay. I'm excited. <laughs> you you you've seen some of the the leaked pictures from the venue? I assume is what you're talking about. Yeah, I I know what some stuff looks like. I so I saw that today, um, and I'm gonna guess. You saw it today as well. The uh, the so, yes, you saw it today. A, and let me just contest. say, let me just say, I brought up that same conversation. In fact, I was telling Kyle, I was like, you know, Joey and I have the same conversation every single week. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about and it. I was thinking about it right now. <laughs> that question, when when we finally get to, because you know, we're we're. I can describe it to you guys, but you know, it's not going to do it justice. You, when you see the event is live, you're going to be absolutely blown away. You'll know instantly uh, what we're talking about. Yeah, this is we play is definitely outdone themselves. Like if you thought Mad Boon was really cool with their like whole uh, the the whole VR AR uh, Night City that they had behind an actual set, if you thought Omega League was was pretty good, like this blows it out of the water we play is shelling out big time to try and prove that uh they were worth a uh, a bit of a gamble for the majors so yeah it's it's gonna be big and huge and hopefully the event's gonna go well there's big. uh just a ton of concerns going all around the place right now uh whether it's covid whether it's um cultural appropriation <laughs> it's uh it's i brought that up with tsunami yesterday after he sent me a picture of his outfit. Yeah, I think the, I think uh, I said offhandedly, uh, "My culture is not a costume," which is kind of a is kind of a rallying cry for 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 that. But I said it like kind of half jokingly. But I'm interested in if that's going to be a point of contention. Yeah, I I have a feeling that there will definitely be some um, complaints about it. The thing is, is that like. Uh, there, there's obviously no like uh, ill will when it comes to these sort of things. Mm -hmm. um, they're just trying to put on uh, the theme is anime, so um, naturally there's going to be um, a few lines that people may think kind of come close to cultural appropriation. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because it's it's an anime major, right? And so you're going to be doing certain things that are like Japanese, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you also can't like directly copy anime uh, because there is obviously copyright involved with that, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't all dress up as specific anime characters. So you can't full uh, shave in One Punch Man it because suddenly, yeah. you know. Yeah, so there's definitely going to be some some weird lines all over the place. Anime the the idea of an anime major, I think, is is very funny, right? It's full of great content ideas, uh, but it it definitely does have some lines. Uh, one line is copyright, the other line is cultural appropriation. There's uh, 
just uh, yeah. I guess things. how do, how do you do anime without reduce or anime in Japanese culture without reducing it to like you know cherry blossoms and geishas and kimonos, right? Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. and and what is like cool and what's not cool, and also like who cares and who doesn't care. I'm sure that there's people who are gonna yeah. be like whatever. So it's, I mean, it's great. People had so complaints great. about Omega League, right? Like, did you feel like Omega League was cultural appropriation? Um, this might not be super woke of me, but I think that it's easier to call cultural appropriation on either a culture that is op- oppressed or current and the yeah, reason okay, why it so that, doesn't... that was my thought process right is that part of omega league the the reason why it feels a little silly to call it cultural appropriation because it was it's historic uh-huh culture right you're we're dressing up as ancient greeks and romans and gods and also they were fine right? <laughs> they were yeah. the world power <laughs> yes so that that is also another thing right and here anime is a, a current culture so uh you know that's yeah weird uh, line, but. but yeah people people are gonna see people are gonna see uh what we play is done on camera and that same conversation about money is gonna come up and then actually the picture that i got and 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 this this might be painful because again like i'm, I'm not gonna spoil and talk about exactly you know what we were seeing like that's for the broadcast what happens that's not our place to share but it's it's enough to to like take a little bit of breath away but also the picture i got panned up a little bit to see the lighting rig above and mm-hmm. if you think the stage is impressive i thought there's like a half million dollars of lights in the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... Okay, I mean, we're on the subject of money. Uh, there was, there's been various bits of, of drama that have bounced around lately. Um, and there was a potential big, oh my God, what did we play do to fuck up moment where the Chinese team said they could not get into Kiev. And there, there was about, I'm not even sure, it was probably less than 12 hours. Was, I think the, the follow-up post was put out like six hours later, something, where uh, Replay announced that they had gotten two private chartered flights for the Chinese teams in order to solve these issues of uh, needing to have a return flight and, and yada yada for... Uh, for their entry into Kiev. So, so let, does my understanding of this track, because I don't think I'm 100% certain on it, my understanding is because of like some type of either international law or COVID situation or, or what have you, the Chinese teams could, could not get their visas approved because they did not have just return dates at all, or they didn't have like a flight yeah. that was possible for them to take back, so there was no way for them to prove that they were going to come back home. So in order to prove that they were going to come back home, we play got private planes outside of commercial planes, private planes to just have a set defined Chinese return date. Yeah, something like that. I, I, I actually don't know the details of why exactly this happened. But yeah, as far as I understand, something to do with um, COVID bureaucracy. And uh, yeah, they were in a tough situation and let me just say when i found out about this i was streaming and i i I said okay let's just go ahead and look this up (laughs) i just go on to google and i look up you know uh you can find sites where it will tell you um you can put in the number of passengers what dates you're flying and uh and the kind of plane 
um, you're going to be trying to use, and it'll give you an, an estimation of how much money. <laughs> and I I uh, looked this up for four teams, right? There is five players each. Um, so that's automatically 20 people, which is mm -hmm. more than most private jets uh, would be able to take. Yeah, you need uh, like a... You need like a a small plane at that point, not like a private jet that takes eight people. Yeah. And uh, you're probably going up to 28 because they have both managers and coaches um, for these teams. So probably going up to 28. So they did end up doing a separate flight for Aster. Um, as I recall, Aster came in a bit later. In fact, they just got here, I believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did my estimation on just one flight for like 25 people or something like that. And that was half a million dollars. So, <laughs> yeah. Why is no one, I mean, I feel like that whole story just kind of whooshed over. And it's like, oh, everything's fine. I don't have to worry about it. And no one is, no one is sitting down to do that math and be like, oh, wait a second. Did we pay just pay? You know what? Let's be generous. Let's be incredibly generous. Did we pay just pay a quarter of a million dollars to get teams to an event that ultimately they would have no obligation to do. And it's half the prize pool for a bit of context, right? But that, that is, I believe, I think valve still splits the, the prize pool. I think so, so. Yes. If, I think so. Yeah. Right. So that, that would be, we play their entirety of what they're putting into this tournament for prize pool is, uh, it, it just doubled off of just purely the, this flight situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, turn people, the community always. Well, these tournament organizers have to be making money. If they're not making money, then why are they still doing tournaments? I mean, I would love. I don't see those comments right now when everybody's praising WePlay about getting private fucking chartered flights in order to make sure the Chinese teams get here. Everyone's just happy that they're shelling out lots of money. Uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, that's not sustainable. That's not. <laughs> this no. this cannot be a good business model. Um, I mean, unless the, unless um, WePlay is going to unveil a Nike or Dorito sponsorship. Uh, even then, man, that's this event. <laughs> no, that's not even coming close. Yeah. That's not even coming close. <laughs> I I'm really interested to see how WePlay has actually been handling the last couple of weeks because they have made like a concert. It feels like they hired two people to just be like on social media, be it like Twitter and Reddit to create yeah. content for social media around, um, you know, teams arriving and birthdays and everything that's happening. They've very publicly posted all their COVID protocols and talked about how they're going to do event safety and security, like stuff that, you know, information that we're not owed and is a little bit uncommon. It's really nice and cool to see that this stuff's being communicated because clearly people like care about it and are interested in it. But it's like they're really going above and beyond. And it's it's almost to the sense where it's like, is this too good to be true? Like, this is this is still a business, right? <laughs> or Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like this is a very big moment for WePlay. I think they've been pushing for uh, a major... Or, or something for a while. They didn't get a DPC. Uh, they didn't get the first major. They did get the second major. So it feels like they are definitely going all out. They also had that fiasco that happened um, with the fighting game community. Mm -hmm. So 
they're probably not going to be able to do fighting games again. So Dota's like I think very big for them in that regard. Um, and I do hope that everything goes off well because yeah, I mean we play has been very good I think for Dota. I'm yeah I'm, I'm super excited about the major for a ton of reasons. Um, how many people have you seen? Like have you have you been to the venue? Well, you have been to the venue, right? Like is is there just like a ton of we play staff? roaming around like do they have a lot of employees um, right now or does it feel kind of like normal or light hey i've been i've been to the offices um for omega league right and so they they do have a number of staff right they do have like a social media person they do have uh, people whose jobs are are just purely one thing right we have a talent manager and her job is talent management we've got um, people like that all over the place. They've got a content guy whose job is just memes and trying to come up with video ideas. Uh, so yeah, they, the, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of WePlay staff cause there needs to be a lot of WePlay staff at the hotel. And then they've got all these contractors who are building currently the, the stage still for, uh, for the event. So mm -hmm. there is a, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of, uh, a lot of people for sure. But, um, not, I guess, not that many at the hotel. Uh, but as far as I know, most of them. Add, adding on top of the fact that you need hotels and rooms for all of the players, uh, they apparently also need it for all the staff, right? Because they also need to remain quarantined and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's just a another big expense added on top of everything else. So, so every team is there now, yeah, because the game started yes. this week. Yes, I believe Astra was the last team to get here. Um, I can't, I can't one hundred percent confirm that, but uh, I believe so. And every team is actually coming, <laughs> which is probably a testament to we play trying really hard. COVID worldwide being at least a modicum better than it was, you know, four months ago, and maybe people taking more internal precautions. I mean, there's no yeah, I mean, prostitute I think there stories. Was probably... There's probably some some people who yeah uh, aren't necessarily going out as much anymore to see ladies of the night or to uh, party. <laughs> Having their girlfriends come over to the team house. Result and yeah, uh, but I would also say just another thing is so just being tested once at all ever right for I feel like uh, for a lot of these these people. Um, when they qualified for the major and trying to go to the Singapore major, that was like the first time they'd been tested this entire, um, this entire time. So it's entirely possible that they ended up getting COVID and not even knowing. I mean, I know a couple people who have gotten it and they just straight up never knew that they did until they got the, mm -hmm. the test. So, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, I, I would say that certainly helps. And then, yeah, the fact that a bunch of people, this is also the last major. So your last opportunity, if you want to stay out of TI qualifiers, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of reasons for well, sure. I think like only one there is a difference though. One, one, uh, unfortunate difference though, is that the fact that Singapore major was based in Singapore, which is very serious about, um, COVID this is based in Ukraine, which. I mean, I've been telling you Sweden is not doesn't give a fuck. I was here for Omega League. Ukraine doesn't give a fuck. Like, nobody wears masks. So, uh, like, naturally, just being in a country that uh, cares less does have its own potential pitfalls. Um, you know, you, you brought the point about uh, TI qualifiers and this being the last 
opportunity to get seeded in. I think that we've seen a lot of discussion as the leagues wrapped up about what teams are, quote, locked or what the potential turnover between teams are. And I think it's super interesting uh, that that's going to be the big narrative and storyline to follow through this this whole major, right? Like, sure, mm-hmm. the major is important. Who's going to win the major? But it feels like I can make the argument that the almost more important thing here is who's going to get those last couple of spots to TI because there's just a little yeah. bit of wiggle room between the teams that are on the bottom and the teams that are, like, right on the cusp. There's, I think, out of every team that is currently in the top 12 for TI... Uh, the only teams that aren't there are uh, Neon and Thunder Predator. Mm-hmm. So that gives some space for some Chinese teams, maybe Vici, to rise up. Maybe Liquid, maybe Nigma if they go really deep, you know. There's a lot of teams that have potential now. Yeah. Uh, I think Liquid is uh, probably the team that has the most... Uh, like they have a lot to gain, but also like relatively reasonable that they could achieve it, right? So, so Liquid is all the way down at, at 16, 400 points. They need to be able to, I believe, get top six, right? So, there are some teams who are like, you can get first and still not like actually go. I think uh, Execration, for example, only has yep. 200 points, they could win the entire thing and not actually be going to TI. That Which I would argue is a flaw in the system. But... <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, that, that is definitely a flaw in the system. I'm not sure how much that changes. Um, I mean, if anything, maybe it gets worse, right? If you um, if you added in three majors instead of two, which the original season was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. If you just sucked for two seasons, but then you did really well and managed to win the major on the third season, people are going to have even more points at that at that singular point in time um, than what they currently have by comparison. So Liquid is definitely in their, uh, they're on the cusp. Top six, I think, is reasonable for Liquid. Vici Gaming, for example, they're just outside of it, um, which they, I think, are very likely to get into top 12. I mean, they basically just need to get 100 points. Uh, I think to to be able to move forward, yeah, and then assume that those other teams that are on the bottom don't also get more points to like raise the floor, yeah. right? So you kind of you kind of want those teams who are at like ten through twelfth to perform poorly, and then the teams that are like thirteenth through sixteenth to like perform well. I think if, I think my anticipation is actually very close to what you're saying right here, almost the exact same thing what what you're saying right here. I think that we're gonna see at the end of this event, assuming performance goes well both Liquid and Vici squeak into TI towards the bottom. And then I think we'll see Neon drop out, um, and Thunder Predator still might have enough points to just, like, hang in there a little bit, maybe at the bottom, but uh, unless something wild, wacky, and crazy happens, I think that's the most likely scenario if we see those spots shuffle, is, is that Vici and Liquid might be able to crack in. Or Nigma if they really make a run at this thing. Yeah, Enigma pretty much has to, I believe, get grand finals, uh, which, which is isn't out of the question. <laughs> points. Yeah, it's five hundred points and four hundred fifty points. Um, I, you know, I am very doubtful of Enigma's success here. Uh, I think they've 
they've looked pretty bad. So they would they would have to make a pretty wild change, in my opinion, to um, to make a, a deep run. I, th I think it's very unlikely that they go that far. You know, I could see them turning things around, riding the ship in time for TI, but not quite making it far enough. You know, making top eight. All right, you guys are, are actually beginning to, to look kind of good. But in order to be like a grand finals team, I, I think so much has to go right for them that I would be pretty doubtful. I think Liquid's in like a in like a hyperbolic training chamber right now, and they're gonna come out and they're gonna be like, "Guys, we got this." Yeah, we'll see. It's time to put uh, Blitz's claim that Liquid's always clutch when they need to be truly to the test here, because uh, either have the clutch is either now or TI qualifiers, and I don't think you want it to be a TI qualifiers against Nigma and OG and whoever else is coming through the European pool. So yeah, Viking even you know. Don't yeah. sleep on Tundra. Like, you know, the, in, in any of those teams could beat each other, right? Uh, same with China. Like, I cannot wait to watch the China TI last qualifier. That's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah. That, I, it's funny that because Europe and uh, China qualifiers are, are either going to be mega hype or kind of meh, you know, uh, just based off of if their region actually does well enough at this major, right? If Vici Gaming ends up pushing forward and getting in, then their qualifiers becomes like a little less interesting. It'd be like elephant versus the field, basically. Um, and same goes in a way if Liquid do well enough to get in. Then it's like OG versus Nigma is your hype matchup, but um, neither one of them really looks like they're... Uh, they're, they're shadows of their, their former selves, I think, in, in some ways. So Yeah. What about uh what about over in the Eastern Europe region? Uh and AS Monaco being like <laughs> Hey guys, we need some new players for uh for the major wild cards. Is this All a right, flaw so that, in the DPC news, system? So that news originally came out, right? And the news was that Sineko um wanted to leave the team and and um was going to be moving with um with no one to nabi and originally that looks like oh jesus see they really fucked over their team pretty hard uh but then it comes out that snako had told the team that he was going to leave on week three or two of the dpc after they lost their first three series he was like i'm i'm not staying in this team so he played it out for them, and he helped to get them to a major, but he always had the intention of leaving, and I think that uh, that actually makes that, that a lot more respectable. I was like, I, I, I had a good amount of respect for because Seneco could have just left and screwed them over, you know, and then AS Monaco game. Then it would have been actually, he actually could have helped Na'Vi by leaving AS Monaco Gambit sooner, right? Like, he yeah, could have just left them, and they wouldn't have been able to play without him or something. Uh, or, you know, even just leaving midseason or something like that. Uh, in letting them have a stand-in and stuff, like, they would have underperformed, likely, and then Navi takes that spot anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are a lot of possibilities there. But he played it out with, for the team, and I think that's uh, fair enough. It's It still feels kind of funny to me, though. It still yeah. feels it still feels kind of funny to me that you could be rewarded for not going to the major, right? Because what is the benefits of going to a major on a team that you're not going to play TI with and don't really want to be on anymore and don't think you're going to do well at? 
You're saving time. You're saving travel. You're saving practice for TI. You're saving a bunch of stuff. And that the cost benefit analysis of Seneco and no one doing that is, is better than the idea of like, well, we could go to the major and we could like, you know, maybe get top six or something. Yeah, I, I think, again, this may be a bit of a COVID thing where we only have two majors instead of three. I think with three majors, the system might look a little bit more reasonable, where by two majors down, you've probably, you're, you've kind of either made your bed or, you know, like at that point in time, you've decided whether or not you're sticking with this team. So I I think maybe the an extra major would certainly help in that regard. But yeah, mm-hmm. the, the final, the final season uh leading into a ti probably needs to have a little bit more wiggle room um when it comes to players just because you know everyone's only playing for ti at that point in time so and but then then again there's also the problem of there is no open qualifiers um there's only open qualifiers to get into the dpc um on the last season so that's another potential sticking point that uh a lot of pros are, are stuck up on that they have a problem with. Someone should tell EE about that so he can, uh, you know, properly plan the rest of his DPC season. Ah, <laughs> uh, the eternal envy villain arc never dies. It never truly dies. He just keeps it going somehow. <laughs> Do you have an opinion on, on EE having uh, bad takes? I would be lying if I said I didn't have, if I read too much in that story. I looked at it and I'm like, I think I understand this. But like, what a shit show! <laughs> yeah, it's it's sim- basically it's it's uh it's similar here to the idea of yes, oh. it is a shit show. <laughs> and the, I don't know. I mean, like you know, at some point in time, at some point in time, I could I could say you know. Maybe Envy isn't necessarily the problem. Maybe he's had a bit of bad luck. Maybe he's just, you know, he's a, a person who believes uh, strongly in his ideas of Dota, and it's hard to be able to find people that mesh with that. Um, he's a difficult person to to be on a team with in some ways. But, like, at some point in time, you know, if, if everywhere you go, it smells like shit. <laughs> you should look at your feet. Or, yeah, or your fucking chores. If everybody you meet is an asshole, then maybe you're the one who's an asshole. Like, <laughs> at some point in time, this has got to be true. You know, I don't, I don't know where exactly you finally draw that line, but I feel like Envy has probably passed over it. But I know it's too early to have the conversation about like how you start to change and update and tweak these systems for what could potentially be a twenty twenty two DPC. Mm-hmm. Um. But I've had some I've had some conversation with people and like got a lot of different opinions out of them. And I think one of the prevailing ideas is potentially that there just wasn't enough information with a truncated season to really get data on all the potential problems. I think we can see stuff like, you know, you can talk about well, how should team ownership work? Can can Envy kick people off teams or should AS Monaco Gambit be able to, you know, have other players leave after a, a DPC circuit or um, should teams be have more points that are weighted to them at, at the at the majors should teams get points at the major almost regardless for going like there, there's a lot of interesting stuff that uh, you can talk about 
ad nauseum for 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 the circuit and how it went but i don't know how much is actually going to change if anything because i don't know if we have enough data to really look at these pressure points like broad scale we we've only yeah. done two cycles we're not even done with the full year the major in ti hasn't happened right and we don't really know what did work and what didn't work or what didn't work because of a very specific situation that like is an outlier um I think it's interesting to see that yet again, for me at least, the wild cards feel more impactful and cool and important than the group stage. Yep. No, I agree. I think um, the wild card, I'm, wild card is definitely a mini tournament that happens before the the. There's a mini tournament. And then there's this seeding group stage that's kind of like, whatever, it's the log of games. And then there's the actual tournament. Um, that's it, it definitely is a bit of a shit sandwich um, where, like, I enjoy. I actually really like group stage. Um, I, I always have, like, some of the most fun doing majors and TI group stages. It's where you get just an overwhelming amount of Dota. Um, and it's where you get to see some, like, there's always really hype games for the group stage because there's so many of them. Um, but yeah, from a normal viewing experience, you're going to look at the group stage and be like, well, this really doesn't matter that much. Only two teams get eliminated. Whereas the wild card is like, oh shit, this is hype as fuck. IG, Nigma, Secret, Vici Gaming, two other teams all have to fight for two spots. And I say two other teams, it's Execration and AS Monaco Gambit. But to be honest, it's a battle between Europe and China. Like that's the way I look at this wild card. It's it's Europe versus China. Which region is stronger? Uh, which 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 region is deeper? Let's say. Let me let me propose something to you. Do you think that the wild cards are being overweighted in terms of excitement and importance because the fan favorite teams and brands? haven't necessarily performed to fan favorite expectations like for example uh i think secret and ig are really easy to to put in this bucket people come into the season and think this is a team that could win ti right mm -hmm. and now they're in wild cards people yeah. will always love karaoke enigma and they will always have more fans more engagement more viewership regardless of if they are actually ti winning contenders or like ti group stage dropouts right their name holds a lot of weight vici's name holds a lot of weight and because these teams didn't necessarily perform at the top that that means that you know they're stuck in this wild card and we we feel like they should be someone who was seeded into the group stage because of their legacy or their or their talent or their names so I sure. think that so them we, underperforming I mean, like, puts them there. We can we can just straight up uh, rearrange this this entire tournament based off of brand strength, right? Or or you know like both both the the brand uh, of the team as well as the brand of the players themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's it's too um, inflammatory to say that Alliance and Liquid should probably go in the wild card. Um, whereas Secret and Nygma are, you know, up there in playoffs and, and group stage. So if we if we rearrange this tournament to to look at to see what the hype would be be like if the 
expected, let's say, big names and stuff were in this wild card, you would have you would still have Liquid and Alliance in there. You would still have uh, because there's Aster and LGD are the two Chinese teams. So you put Aster down there, but then one of them, LGD, uh, Vici Gaming, or IG, has to be in the wild card as well. Uh, those European names are not including OG. Um, so if they had managed to put or elephant this entire thing right elephant of course is being another team that didn't even make it to the major um and could be in this list so it it feels like i think the wild card is always going to be hype purely because europe and china have a depth that there is always one team you expect out of that region that is like oh man they didn't do as well as we thought they would even though it's like third in their region right it's like oh they didn't do as well as they should and now they're on the potential of elimination before the major even starts right so i think even if you were to downgrade the brands of the teams and slot them uh, accordingly the i i think your wild card would still be uh pretty high only because of Europe and China, right? The, the you know, AS Monaco Gambit, you know, the, the brand-wise, they're a big name. Maybe a couple of the players are big, but, like, Execration, as an example, is not going to be a, a name that draws a ton of people outside of Southeast Asia. So I think purely because of the fact that you're taking the third-best team out of Europe and China and putting them in a limitation situation, wild card will always be high. Yep. I still want to propose that we give na in south america a wild card slot and of course give give, give me two more wild cards make it that much more interesting and then suddenly that mini tournament turns into like a marquee event oh yeah because it's it's just a one-off it it is literally just a regional battle at that point in time you know it's it's not about Oh, well, NA has evil geniuses. They're not a real NA team or they're the only good NA team, whichever line you're going to go for. Now it's like the third best NA team versus the third best Southeast Asian team. Like now you can, like that is a pure regional battle there, mm-hmm. right? Because they, there's not enough fans of those players and those those teams that they're hardcore backing them, but there are going to be people backing their region. And so, yeah, I think it would be, much more hype to be able to have the the other two regions included in that wild card and just have this interesting battle because you know that because that's a line all fans are going to run with well the wild cards you know like that's the depth of our region we we got out of there you guys suck (laughs) (laughs) um at the conclusion of the dpc second season this go around i took the time to like slog through liquipedia because I was really curious about how promotion and relegation between Division One and Division Two shaped up after the second cycle. Meaning, which teams who were promoted after Season 1 stayed in Division One or were mm-hmm. re-demoted back to Division Two, Or vice wow. versa, which teams, you know were demoted to Division 2 who got re-promoted to Division 1 and, like, they, they earned their spot back after the second season. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know if, if you saw that data, so this might be an unfair unfair pop quiz, but uh, pop quiz, how many teams who made it into Division 1, who were promoted out of Division 2 after Season 1, were relegated back to Division 2 after Season 2? 
Oh, I do, uh, because I, I had been talking about this a little bit. I didn't actually go out of my way to look it up, but I do know it is more than I expected. Um, I think it's still less than 50%. Um, but there is, there is, uh, I think four or five teams who actually stayed in the upper division. Um, cause I know, let's see, I know one came out of Eastern Europe. One came out of, no, didn't come out of Western Europe. Um, one team did stay in, in NA. Which one are you talking about? You're talking about teams who, who, who took their spot in division one back or teams that fell back to division two. Uh, I was talking about teams who went up to the upper division and stayed there. Okay. Uh, because I had a theory that most of the time teams that were coming out of the lower division, unless they were obviously a better team, unless they were obviously like a team that was just put together and had to climb through lower division, um, that most teams that would make it through the lower division and end up in upper division that were just, you know, no name people would just get bounced right back. Um, and so more teams than I expected managed to keep their spot. Um, and I would say more teams than I expected ended up losing their upper division spot. For example, Chicken Fighters literally got fucking take no techies. Another one got taken out of upper division and didn't even come close to making it back. In fact, they got bounced out of the DPC entirely. So, so let me start there. Let me start there for you. There were four teams that that happened to. Four different teams started season one in Division 1, were relegated to, to Division 2 for Season 2, and then eliminated. Chicken Fighters, No Techies, Wind and Rain, and Latam Defenders. Four different teams in four different regions went from Division 1 Season 1 to now currently out of the DPC. Well, at least one of those has uh, allegations that uh, of... Uh, <laughs> at least. <laughs> of cheating, so... Uh, I don't know about... Uh, I don't know anything about Latam Defenders, to be honest. Um, and there's... So I, I know that there are eight teams out of 12. So 66% of teams who made it to Division 1 for Season 2 and then were relegated back to Division 2. So they, they, they made it up and then they instantly fell back down. Yeah. Both I think Western if, Europe if, teams. I, if I actually take, if I were to individually look at the data, um, for example, I know Simply Two Based, they managed to go in NA, they went lower division to upper division, but it's it's fairly obvious they're an upper division team just based off of their players. Like if I were was to individually just take them out of the sample, because I feel like it almost tilts it away, uh, then I think my expectation, which would be there were going to be only a couple exceptions to the rule of a team in lower division going to upper division and then just getting bounced right back out. Yeah. Uh, both Western Europe teams were bounced. Bremen Hell Spares. Mm-hmm. Both Chinese. Bremen come very close. Yeah, I, I, my, my heart bleeds for Brame a little bit. I think that they, yeah. that they, that they are are on the cusp of being like a true tier one point five team. Mm-hmm. Um, both Chinese teams were who made it up were bounced back down. Uh, Sparking Arrow and RNG. Uh, Lil Gun in SEA went up and then right back down. 
They were really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Omega made it up and stayed up. So that was one of the teams mm-hmm. that stayed up there. Uh, Windstrike went up and back down. But Puck Champ went up and stayed up. What else? Uh, the Cut in North America went up and back down. I don't think the Cut even won a single game in Upper Division. No. They didn't. And then uh, there was a South American team too. Infinity Esports who went up and back down. Mm. So eight okay. different teams lost their spot and couldn't cut it in, in Division 1. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that That is kind of what I expect because, um, to be honest, I think um, the lower division is just full of a lot of bad teams. Um, and so even if you are better than those teams, playing in the lower division isn't the best practice for you. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, if you were to take the exact same teams and... Uh, from the first season and put them in a second season where they got to play more games up against the upper division teams, then I think you would actually see that more teams would stay in the upper division as a result. But the fact that they only they only get to play one series against each one of these upper division teams does not give them very much room uh, to be able to learn and grow. So uh, that, that is why I had a very strong belief that teams going up from lower division were just going to kick, get kicked right back down. Yep, uh, well, you're right. <laughs> having exposure... Uh, to to those to those teams and and playing against them regularly is what's going to make you better, not just playing against them once. I was surprised at the number of teams who didn't make it back up, though, because I thought, like you, that teams who got up would get bounced back down. But I also thought that the inverse would be true, and more teams that were relegated after season one would gain their spot back. I thought that we would see. Some of those teams, like a good example of one that like went down to Division 2 and then kind of slayed Division 2 and found the way right back up, was Viking. And they're yeah. kind of the only one who did that. They're mm-hmm. the only team who like went down to Division 2 and said, like, fuck you, we're better than all of you. Almost yeah. every other team struggled, right? And the other teams that made it back up to Division 1, Empire did in Eastern Europe. Um, mm-hmm. LBZS did in China. And then there's a South American team that did it. Um, Ego Boys. Only four teams took their spot back. Yeah. So I, I think the the thing about that is um, sometimes it's not even a marker on the the team. Like Viking, Viking GG, right? Great example of a team that definitely was strong enough and deserved to be in the upper division. And they proved it. Um, that being said... Um, there are other regions, for example, Eastern Europe. Uh, the thing was, is that the first season didn't actually relegate enough teams. <laughs> that was the problem. That was the problem with Eastern Europe, is that only two teams were relegated. They needed three because Extremum definitely needed to be taken down to lower division. But the problem was there were two teams that were worse than them. That was the only teams they beat. So, um, you know, I, I think the, that sometimes um, it, it may not be a reflection on the strength of the team, uh, whether it's staying in upper division or failing to, to – uh, or, or 
staying in the upper division or managing to get your spot back. Um, sometimes it's just about the, the depth of the region in that regard. Like some teams just started out in the upper division and they were garbage. Uh, that there is some, some good examples of that. The NA side of things, I think there were some teams who found their way into the upper division that were pretty bad and were always going to struggle no matter who they played against. Um, they're, and like NA is surprising because there was actually qualifiers for that. But like Eastern Europe is a great example. Like teams were just in because they were around. They were a team. Therefore, they got invited and stuff like that. So um, it does mean though that um the dpc in some way is working because it's churning the shit out you know it, it's getting you know like you don't get to just hang around because you're a known name and you've played 10 years of dota and you don't know what else to do you actually got to be bringing something to the table so get the fuck out um and it is working it's it's kicking the shit out and it's getting fresh young bloods I think Eastern Europe is a great example of that. Um, the two new teams, that was pretty sad to see Winstrike go because both Winstrike and PuckChamp were super exciting. Team Spirit, I really hope they do well at this major because I think they're a super exciting young team with the full of a lot of um, young players who just have this revitalized passion for the game that um, I don't see very often uh, out of so many of these veteran teams. So, Can I, uh, can I do the thing that I hate? happens all the time where yeah. i ask for uh predictions and thoughts about the actual major because man so, is it silly to be like hey cap who do you think's gonna win the major can you rank everybody from worst to best and then you know we'll judge you by your predictions in about four months um i did that for a uh, singapore major and that was uh, i actually think i was pretty on point as i recall i think i got almost all the wildcard teams right and then i said whichever teams make it through the wild card are gonna go really far uh sure enough both ig and uh vici gaming i believe were the lgd and vici were the wildcard teams oh okay uh who did go yeah, far <laughs> Yeah, they, they did go pretty far. Um, whoever, I said, whoever topped out of the groups, which obviously, you know, like, I, I did not predict that uh, Thunder Predator was going to knock it out of the park. Uh, but I did say whoever, like, tops out of groups is, is going to be one of those teams is going to be in the grand finals, I think I said. Uh, yeah, I think um, similar expectations but lessened this time around um so i i made those expectations or those predictions based off of the fact that i just thought everybody was was kind of weak because the dpc doesn't allow you to play a whole lot so um anybody who is uh winning is gonna knock the shit out of the playoff teams the teams are automatically seen in the playoffs they're just gonna get kicked real fucking hard and we saw that teams like virtus pro just bounced out almost immediately i think Fanatic. almost half of the playoff teams got like they just went boom boom <laughs> you know so um similar expectations but not as much because there's a lot more scrimming that's going on at this tournament um it's also been a longer season we're revving up for ti who do I expect? I expect Virtus Pro to show the world this time around that like people are going to have a renewed res uh, respect for Eastern Europe and for VP specifically. Um, I hope the team spirit does. I think it's possible that they do, but they're young teams, so I'm not going to expect too much out of them. But I think Virtus Pro is actually going to kick the shit out of some of these teams here. Um, and 
and really do a lot of work. Alliance, I'm skeptical about just because um, we know they need to be able to change up their play style for international um, competition and whether or not they can succeed in that. I don't know because I really feel like I haven't seen Alliance play a different style over two patches. Um, I think Quincy Crew, oh God, I hope Quincy Crew finally shows that the second best in NA, because I think Quincy Crew is real contender. I think, I think they're actually quite scary, uh, but they just seem to have a combination of choking and bad bracket luck. Um, I mean, the last two TIs, this VGJ Storm and, um, what was it, uh, or Thunder, whichever one that was, and then, um, Storby, they both times... They scored upper bracket off of TI group stage and they ran into OG in the first round. <laughs> you know, like they, in the first round, they faced up against the, the TI winners. So um, I actually think they're they're legit. Um, T1 I'm skeptical of. No ping I'm very skeptical of. Um, I think Astros. Why legit. be skeptical of no ping after we saw Thunder Predator like wreck, wreck house last time? Um, I actually believe a little bit more in Thunder Predator than No Ping, um, just because individually some of their players, the the players that I look at from No Ping that I that I think are like super good are Matthew and HFN. Um, the rest of the roster, I'm I, I'm not I'm not fully convinced that um, they're they're going to be able to compete with everybody. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to get bounced out right away, but I think it's unlikely that they win their playoff match uh their initial upper bracket match and then we'll see where they go from there um i started with playoff teams and i'm working my way down um liquid i would say 50 50 chance they get top six at this event they really need it to be able to go to ti um but at the same time, this is still a roster that is somewhat new. So I'm not going to have a ton of faith in them. The biggest X factor for me are all of the teams who have, who are going to TI already. That is actually, the, I think, the the most confusing bit of analysis. Like how much do... I mean, I think VP cares a lot. <laughs> Yes, they're, they're coming VP out for blood. Cares. They're young. They're hungry, right? Um, yes. So I, I think VP cares. How much does Secret EG, EG IG yeah. care? Yeah. How, how much do those teams care? I that is a hard, that is a weird situation because of course they care and of course they want to go far, but like, do they actually have it in them? Do they actually care about winning this event? Um, and of that, I'm kind of doubtful. Um, just because winning the last major before TI always puts you in kind of a weird spot. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm very trepidatious about saying anything about those teams because who the fuck knows what kind of A game is going to show up. Um, Puppy will, uh, Secret will probably place top six, top four, maybe, but maybe, maybe or maybe not uh, grand finals. Um, I also Similar story like, for IG. I think Nigma might shit the bed. I'm not even sure if they're going to be able to make it through wild cards. Um, and if they do, I think they're. I mean, it just depends on their form. But um, 
Yeah, I, I actually don't think they're going to make it out of wild cards. Wild card teams, I'm going to say Secret and... Vici. Oh, God. Which one do I choose between Vici and IG? Shit. I've doubted Vici Gaming so many times. Vici um, needs to get to TI. Vici needs to qualify for TI. Well, they do, huh? Yeah, they definitely need it more. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm not, I can't doubt Vici Gaming in that, in that case. I've doubted Vici Gaming enough times because I don't like fully believe in their roster. I think their carry, Poyoyo, is really good. I think that guy is super sick. I think Ori is one of the most improved players of, of the last like two or three years. This guy has gone from just sort of a, eh, he's okay, but he gets carried by paparazzi to like a legitimate uh legit legitimate mid player who carries games himself old 11 is like super high variance like very risky player to <laughs> is he playing on. lc <laughs> like you yeah know, stuff like that their their support duo is is strong though um i i like them i like their support duo and i like the it's just you know it's honestly it's old 11 just I keep doubting that guy because I used to be a big fan of him. I thought he was great, but then he just disappointed me so many times. Uh, meanwhile, IG's roster, uh, I feel like is... Oh, IG also has a stand-in. So yeah, definitely not them. So Secret and Vici Gaming are the two teams coming out of uh, the wild card stage. I agree with that. I think that we're going to see... C I think that we're going to see uh, Secret and Vici is probably being favorite. I think Vici is going to have a good tournament. Uh, I think Vici is going to... I am more confident that Vici secures TI off this tournament than Liquid does. Um, I, I expect that to happen. There's also a world where, like, everyone goes, Whoa, my God, I can't believe Secret lost to the wild cards. <laughs> um, like, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me if that does happen. There's yeah. six Absolutely. teams in two spots. <laughs> Yeah, any, any team that is in the wild card, I won't be super shocked if they don't make it through because, as you said, only two slots. And, you know, two of those teams have already qualified for TI. So um, the the two strongest teams, in my opinion, uh, don't necessarily have a reason to fight the hardest that they possibly can. So um, Beast Coast, um, I believe in more than no ping. Whispers they of have God. that LAN experience that is just so unquantifiable. Yeah, yeah. The the fact that you can perform under the stress of a LAN. Um, it, so to give people an idea of what this means, um, the, the stress of a LAN and being able to perform. If you've ever played on a setup that is not your own, if you ever tried to play Dota on a setup that isn't your own, if that bothers you and it it means that you don't perform as well in the game okay just amplify that by a hundred <laughs> because none of it is your setup none of this is natural it's it's not just yeah it's like for the professional players they do have their their same equipment but everything else is unnatural everything surrounding it is unnatural um the adrenaline the the stress the the build up to the tournament your the the practice that goes in before is different than what you experience playing at home the food is different the playing uh in front of an audience even though that's not happening here playing underneath the lights is different there's 
all of these little stresses that are going to be different than you when you're in the zone, in your bedroom, in your pajamas, and your favorite comfy chair, and your favorite blankie around your lap, you know? So it's, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Beast Coast have, have proven that they can perform under those stresses. So I believe in them, um, and I think they'll go farther than No Ping does. I, th I think we're going to see a lot of. I think we're going to see just some more strong Chinese uh, present this major. Yeah, I'm going to. I think I'm um, going to expect PSG, LGD, and Acer, and Vici to do well, and then everything else is kind of a, a crapshoot for me. Beast Coast, though, is. Um, I will say that they are the other team that I think you can include in the list of teams going to TI, uh, because Beast Coast. Um, they are tied up with LGD, Aster, Thunder Predator, Quincy Crew, Alliance. They all have 800 points. But what's different about Beast Coast is Beast Coast is actually proven to be the best in their regions at times, right? Most of the time, they're the best in their region, right? So I think in some ways, there is a certain confidence that comes down to even if we don't do well enough here and some something crazy happens and we somehow... Um, end up losing our slot. I'm not even sure it's possible based off of tiebreaker rules. I don't know what those are, but um, even if that does possibly happen, then uh, then we're still the best in our region and we're going to we're going to win that qualifier. So, uh, I'm not convinced that Beast Coast has the same kind of urgency as all those other teams that I listed. Well, hopefully not because I want to see uh, an EG and Liquid top in the group stage, baby. <laughs> Give me that sweet, sweet upper bracket. Mm. Why, why do you want to see EG top? Or, uh, oh, I mean, just NA. Oh, because I love reading EG fans' comments on Reddit and Twitter. That's it. Why? What? What? What is the stereotypical EG comments? I to fuck to It's like you know how sometimes uh, uh, very eloquent. Yeah, exactly. They're not. Uh, you know how sometimes uh, you stereotype like like Middle America is like oh my god I'm the USA USA. Uh, that's that's what EG mm. fans are like for North America. Oh whoa yeah NA yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so oh, oh, oh let me ask you a good question because because as talent we do actually have our own um we we don't care about the teams but some teams do have more obnoxious fan bases than others so as a as, as somebody who doesn't uh well, I guess you do still get flame just being a moderator and stuff. But like as someone who isn't uh, taking as many personal shots from these fan bases, maybe you're a little bit more neutral. Who, which, which fan base is the most obnoxious on Reddit? I don't necessarily think NA fan bases are obnoxious like that. But they're all obnoxious. Every fan base is obnoxious. Fanboyism is a disease. Um, who who's obnoxious? Anytime that you you take your you're like in your head, you're like, this is who I am, and uh, these are the personality traits I have, and like second on the list is like X fan, either a person, team, whatever it is. Raider Nation. Awful. 
I, I hate every single person who's like, that applies to me right now. I'm listening to this and I'm a big fan of the Red Devils. Go Devils! I don't like you. Is it, are, are, are you going to like swerve me and tell me it's like some of the SEA teams? No, I, I, no I'm, I genuinely want to know your opinion. Because we, uh, I, I think uh, talent have some general agreements about like which which fan bases are uh, more obnoxious than than others. But I could I could potentially see getting more flame from SEA fans as talent. But like, even though I might not directly see it, like I can see that might. Come no, 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 I'm not talking about like I'm, I'm, when I said the talent thing. I was saying that like we get flamed by them directly. So sometimes people gotcha, will gotcha, have... gotcha personal biases in that regard but from you reading game through being a moderate you have to clean up the shit who's shitting the most on the floor that's what i'm asking i'm trying to f find a way to say this that doesn't sound too icky um, I think there's confound. God, stop laughing. I think there's confounding variables of culture here that might make me more sensitive to stuff. But generally speaking, I think that a lot of I notice Eastern Europe fans shitting on the floor in the home more because I think that like racism is more what we would perceive as racism from our western point of view is more normalized over there and there's okay. more general toxicity that exists okay. okay i can i can see that but at the same time i i feel like eastern european eastern european teams have only rarely been good right you have navi early early days of dota and then you had the super dominant virtus pro mm -hmm. right but other than that there hasn't been a whole lot so I, I i like i personally feel like they're they're not that obnoxious uh but i could see from a moderator standpoint where you're the one who actually has to deal with the comments that are hidden because they're, they're there's something bad, so bad. nasty there yeah, yeah. I, okay. I i think there's a hyper so what about your personal for... tastes okay not not something personal take moderating personal yeah. take yeah you just find this... them obnoxious they're not saying anything like that you need to to delete their comment for but they're just annoying i've 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 been trying to uh avoid i've been trying to dance around saying this but it's almost certainly uh alliance fans and they're colored by and they're colored by bulldog fans I knew that was gonna be your answer. Um, <laughs> I feel like yeah. I feel like I was. I'm, I'm finding a way to dance around it. I I I I think that I, even today, uh, the you know like uh, there there's a tweet from Kelly about about the the situation that's up on Reddit, and I'm like, oh man, mm -hmm. Alliance fans are like either bulldog fans or like living in TI4 area or like Loda fans who think he can do no wrong or like. Yeah, it, it, well, I think part of it is that Alliance isn't the biggest brand in Europe, so the fan, the fans that they have are like going to be super hardcore, which is super uh, cool, by the way. It's yeah, cool that that yeah. exists. I'd rather have, I'd rather have them have, you know, fans who are more, uh, I don't know, Raider esque than, <laughs> than yeah, I, not. 
So of talent, um, I, I will say that um, OG fans can be pretty obnoxious. Uh, but at the same time, OG haters are almost more obnoxious. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you just you can't do anything right when you do an OG game. Whether if OG's doing good or OG's doing bad, no matter what you're casting an OG game, it's gotta be bad. It's 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 similar to being an American and casting EG games because you can't fucking win. No matter how much you shit Bias on EG, piece of shit. You're, you're an American casting an American team, and there are people who hate you for being that. <laughs> Just straight up. So, uh, the, EG and OG both, uh, for me anyway, are no win scenarios. Um, secret fans are surprisingly. Not that obnoxious, I feel like, but it, it, I think maybe just because they win too much, you know, like they're um, jaded. They're jaded by trophies. Yeah, it's just they're too they're too fucking lazy to comment and like and you know they, they, all the trash talk they've they've wanted to do. They've said it like fucking four years ago, you know, and uh, and they're they're also it's a combination of they win too much and also suck too much when it comes to TI. So you know they're they're jaded on both accounts. They experience they're they're experiencing too much success. They can't be bothered to trash talk other teams while simultaneously knowing that inevitably they're gonna suck at TI. So <laughs> surprise. Basically, secret teams of the secret fans have been like beaten down <laughs> enough and simultaneously raised up enough that they're not obnoxious. Um, liquid fans, I, I mean, what liquid I, fans? I, I really haven't noticed like cause liquid right now is a very wholesome team, and then liquid before was Nigma, and uh, I mean. Those guys are also very wholesome, and Kuro just puts out a very respectful aura that um, I generally haven't really been bothered by their fans too much. Um, same goes with Nigma fans, not really. Um, what else? Southeast Asia fans, um, I have, I've had very little problems with, mostly because they're just super hype about the game. Um, but also a similar situation to, to Eastern Europe in some ways where they, they just they haven't been good that often in like recent memories. So it's just kind of like they're, they're just, we just want to be good again. Like we just want to, like, we just hope our team wins. You know, it's, it's hard to, you can't really be too toxic when that's kind of the mentality. Same, same goes to like any any region that is not expected to do well. Any region that isn't in that conversation of yeah. who is winning this major, who is winning this TI, they, you've got an underdog mentality. And an underdog mentality doesn't usually mean that you're going around shitting on other people. Usually it just means that you're just cheering for your team and hope they do well. So, I wonder um, where all, what all the OG fans do when they don't make it to TI this year. Cheer for whatever European team that will fulfill their identity the most. Woohoo! Identity politics. Honestly, probably secret and liquid, if I had to guess. Good. That if could Nygma be good. Go. Let's mm. go. <laughs> I mean, secret, it's easy just because it's like, well, you know, legends in there. Liquids just seem seems to be a likable team. So That's the goal. Make people like the yeah. team because they're actually likable. Mm -hmm. And nice mm -hmm. and unique and different. P 
PMA. Yeah, it can't be, it, it can't be Alliance because obviously now there's a rift between OG and Alliance fans. God, I hope I never have to cast an OG Alliance game for TI or something. Ugh. <laughs> It's just like you know you just take about, like, take your phone and put it in a Faraday bias. cage and be like, well, I'm not yeah. gonna look at this. You want to talk about talent having bias? It's like it, it, the most bias you're ever gonna get is just like, oh, I, I don't look forward to casting this game and a fan interaction that's gonna follow after this. <laughs> that, that's what it is. Like I didn't look forward to casting EG games. I did it because I knew there was going to be a certain subset of the population that was just going to shit on me no matter what I did. So on contrary, when everybody was like, you can see this guy, he just got the shit in grid because he just loves it that EG's wearing so much. Like, I'm over there being like, fucking, oh, I hate it. I hate casting EG games. People would shit on me and flip so much when it came to casting EG games that it wasn't enjoyable. Man. It was not a fun experience. Are you mostly casting at this event, or are you also like doing panel double duty? I'm still like doing panel. I'm still doing panel, uh, much to a bit of my dismay. But um, you're good at it. Yeah, that's why you're there. Thank you, thank you. I'm uh, going to be paneling once during the wild card series. I, we don't have the schedule for the rest of the time. But uh, first day, two series. Second day, second panel with Shiver. Fourth series with casting with kyle so. is kyle gonna be your casting partner for the event yes um yeah i think we're building up for ti i'm also not to be 100 percent honest with everybody here i'm not super looking forward to casting with kyle at this event just because nothing to do with him just because of the fact that like being a part of we play means he's so stressed He's so stressed. Yeah, he he it's, works uh, for WePlay. Yeah. In addition to being yeah, so he's very he's very worried about the success of this event. So I'm uh Yeah, I'm and that, that dictates about his, him yeah. and his performance casting when he's so worried about everything else in the game. So uh, I just hope that he is able to let go in some way and relax a little bit because he has been a a ball of stress ever since uh, we got here. So well, we're four days out from that. I'm looking forward to it. When we'll be back together next week, we can actually talk about what's going on without speculating about it. We're able to fill, like, mm -hmm. you know, over an hour of, of hanging out and shooting the shit just talking about Dota. I didn't even tell you how I, I went to a Korean spa last week and had to get naked with people. Oh. That's a story for another time. I, I, uh,. Well, I mean, we can do a back-to-back -back episode. We did miss it this week. I also have been um, doing... Uh, I've been teaching... Commentating? I've been doing casting critiques. I've oh, done two work? of them now. Um, basically, um, some of the casters give me a, a VOD, and I go through it with them, and I tell them... Um, I ask them what they think they need to work on, and then we kind of look for those sort of things, and I tell them, um, I mean, it's hard not to color it with my own yeah. values of commentating too much, but yeah, it's uh, it's always going to be a situation where I'm telling them kind of what I like and what I don't like, and they try and be as, as delicate with my own personal biases on commentating, because um, there's a lot of different ways to be a good commentator, but... Yeah, I just try and help them out and 
Yeah, it's been a, it's been a very interesting experience because um, it means as a teacher, I get to focus on what I want to be able to do as a caster as well, right? Like I'm telling them what I like about good commentary and like what I think is good. And that just kind of reinforces in my own head, like what the things that I need to work on as well. Cause sometimes I'm telling things that I know I do wrong too. <laughs> I'm saying like, this is wrong and this is what could be better. And I of course know that like I do the same thing. This is tangentially related, but the way that I got uh, really good at um, like, I'm going to say advanced mathematics, but that's not true because I never like was doing crazy, crazy math classes. I would say like mid to high collegiate tier math classes was the only way that I was really able to learn and stick with stuff is by teaching it to other people. Mm. So I find the experience of teaching stuff, whether it be something academic like math or something professional, like with a video camera or you know, anything in between, even, you know, teaching Dota to people who are substantially worse at Dota. Like, you know more about your craft than you even imply. And when you go to teach someone the, quote, proper way to do something, it really helps me reinforce that and actually practice and learn myself. So, uh, yeah. b- big fan of, of learning through teaching. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, there, there are very, very rare times I can hold myself up to be like really good at something. Um, but I actually think I'm almost like better at teaching and talking about casting than I am at actually doing it. Um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty good at it because obviously I've had to, you know, people like to say that I improved a lot, and that's mostly because I thought about casting a lot and what it means to be a good commentator and huh. what to do better a lot and uh this is the first time that i've really pulled the trigger on uh, the idea of telling uh other people my ideas about casting they seem to enjoy it um did they know. come to you <laughs> if you <laughs> offer to them uh yeah i mean i just put it out there and they just got swarmed with so many people saying that they would love to uh to do something like that so uh i stream it not a whole lot of people are <laughs> that's not the kind of content that normal people are looking for so not a whole they're like yeah go back to playing that. techies <laughs> yeah exactly but uh i i do think for those who care about that sort of thing uh, i think it's kind of interesting but for sure well good luck with the major my friend thank you we'll talk soon and yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> let's go liquid <laughs> <laughs> Top six. Top six. Mm. Oh, you know, let me take a top four. Let's just really secure it. Let's just really secure T. I, I, <laughs> Papa. Papa wants to go to Sweden in August, okay? Like, mm-hmm. let's not have any let's not have any qualms that I, that I am just virtuous and a, and a shill for my employer or friends with Will and the entire team. I, Joey, want to go to the international. Mm. And that happens. I would also like you to go to the international because then we can film stuff together while we're at TM. We would have so much fun. Yeah. I want to go. <laughs> and the chances of me going, if there's not an audience, get drastically lower as soon as yeah. Liquid doesn't go. Yeah. So let's 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 be real here. I'm being selfish. <laughs>